Hey there, welcome to the Book of Medora podcast, the podcast where we discuss the Legend of Zelda and sometimes the Elder Scrolls or Star Wars or uh, uh, Thor. Assassin's Creed. Uh, Assassin's Creed, of course. Uh-huh. Dragon Age. Dragon Age, yes. I'm your host, Crystal, and with me is Monica. Hello. And Cameron. Hi. This is going to be a nice, nice, old-fashioned mailbag. We got a lot of emails. Yeah. I wonder what song you'll use for the mailbag. I wonder what possible fucking image Crystal's going to use for the mailbag. <laughs> oh, that's pretty important. Um, I, I mean, I don't think I've exhausted all the mailman images. Really? I don't think so. Well, that's good then. I'm glad to hear that. If you do, use the snot-nosed kid from Wind Waker. What? I don't <laughs> like that kid. No. He's, his visage displeases me. Yeah, he's uh, a deeply displeasing child. I just, I don't want to look at them, so I simply will not. Um, use the two busybodies from various games. Oh, maybe. What? Which two busybodies? You know, the gossipy ladies. Oh, those two assholes. Yeah, all right. There's a few of them. There's They're... also the pelicans from Animal Crossing. Well, yes. It doesn't have to be a Zelda image. We had an Elder Scrolls image on the last one. Yeah, but we didn't talk about Zelda in that one. I usually like to have an image where someone is looking at a piece of paper with words on it. Ah, that's fair. Okay, we've got a few more of those, potentially. Uh Oh, what if we used the intro from, uh, was it Wand of Gamelon? Maybe. No, bad. No, it's it's the one where the wizard, what's-his-name, is examining the scrolls telling of Zelda's adventure. The scrolls? Yeah, there were scrolls. Elder Scrolls. Yes, they were undoubtedly old. Our first question comes in from Boz. I like to listen to your podcast imagining that Cameron is Impa, Crystal is Link, and Monica is Zelda. What is your response to that? Whoa. Which Impa? <laughs> I don't know. Which Impa? You would tell me. Um, We'll go with either Ocarina of Time or Skyward Sword. All Those business. are both good Impas. They're strong Impas, literally. And which Zelda are you, Monica? Um, She's Ocarina of Time Zelda. She would never allow herself to be called anything else. Sure, yeah, probably. That's one of the best Zeldas. Uh, which Link am I? Uh, from, from Breath of the Wild. I think that's my favorite Link design. Yeah, yeah that's a pretty... Or maybe, maybe, maybe Oots. In terms of personality of the canonical Links, I would say that probably you're closest to either... Breath of the Wild or one of the DS links? Spare Tracks link. <laughs> no, uh, no. The one uh, just wants to be an engineer. Yeah. <laughs> but, Cameron, are you really Impa? I mean, I'll take it. That Listen, sounds like a Gandorf answer. I mean, like, if, if this particular listener doesn't see this as being, like, a thing for where Link and Zelda sit around talking to Ganon, which, fair... If you want to talk about the three and pr- protagonist roles, there's the hero, there's the princess, and there's the old lady. And I'm the old lady, motherfucker. Ganon is your favorite guy, though. Oh, he super is. For a while. Yeah. Oh, man. He's also your Smash main. Yeah, I've been maining Ganondorf since Event 29, baby. Right, definitely if, if, if we were to assign a Ganon, you would be the Ganon. I think we're in agreement there. Okay, yeah. yeah, I suppose. We've done that before, haven't we? I th- we must have. We must have. We've had a, bunch of, a bunch of episodes. We, we've assigned Triforce pieces. Yeah. 
I think the thing that Crystal usually balks on is like, am I Link, really? And it's like, well, who else are you going to be? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am Link. Yeah. I'm, I've, I've come into that understanding now. That's a good understanding to have. You're the one who gets the Master Sword out of this group. Nice. Nice. <laughs> so I guess our ultimate response to that is nice. Nice. Yep. Thank you, Boz. Thanks, Boz. <laughs> Shall I handle this one? Uh, the one that specifically asked for your voice. Oh, is that what it is? Is that in there? Yeah, it's uh, the next one up from Boz. Oh, okay. From So this is from uh, Zeldreth. Henlo Heroes. Hmm, where to start? First off, I had a roller coaster of emotion when I tweeted that I'd finished listening to the last episode and Cameron admitted there was or might be another. Harumble. I love all three of you as presented on the podcast, but if this does make the next or last episode, if Cameron could please read most of this out, I'd be ever so grateful. I am of the generation who started at the first game as a girl, when it was all shiny and new, and just kept going. I have liked other games like Soul Reaver, Medieval, and Loverlord, but really, all the Zelda games bring me the most amount of joy and calm. I'm pleased that upon discovering podcasts about three weeks ago, wow, we were really one of the first. So far, yours has been the most enjoyable Zelda-themed one I have found, with over half of your collective opinions aligning with mine and presented with context and evidence. Half is pretty good. Half, that's, that's pretty high alignment among Zelda fans. Considering the takes we, we throw out here. Yeah. We are a bit heretical. Yeah. Your tendency to have an opinion that doesn't match up with the majority of louder fan voices is refreshing. I was also kind of relieved to hear your opinions about the Breath of the Wild Great Fairies. As I listened, I was dreading getting to that part in the later Breath of the Wild series for a couple of reasons. One is that a lot of fans consider them icky because they're affectionate, but can see how harmless they are. But I can see how harmless they are, as I'm a sex-repulsed ace, and my favorite and most popular cosplay is Kotera. Second, I'd like to put forward my idea of what happens when your armor is upgraded once all the fairies have been paid. Once grabbed and pulled into the water, each fairy takes you to her underwater cave where she lives, but also where her workshop is. I imagine it a bit like my dream dressmaker studio, but in the style of the pool surrounding above. After making the final touches as best she can make Link as best as she can make Link's armor, she takes him back up to the surface. It's a long way though, and this is why there is a fade out and in time passing, and Link is wet and out of breath. The first three upgrades are magical, but the last one is practical and needs work. It sounds nicer than just saying they are flat out rapists, especially when it's so clear that they spend time on their own outfits. And I have an idea how much time as I try to recreate one of them. Phew. Right. I've been bursting to explain that to anybody for ages. A fleeting thought I had as you were talking about the origin of Medora and how it sounded like Majora. Could Twin Rofa be a phenomenon that it happens to twin witches, not just a specific set of witches? Koame and Kotake were only really named in Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, not in Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages. Maybe at some point a pair of powerful witches, Medora and Majora, who are lost to legend except they live on as names where one wrote a spellbook and one enchanted a mask. I thought it sounded a bit too enticing not to explore. That's all for now. That's all I'll put here for now, but if I think of anything else, don't worry. You'll know about it. I know there's not much left to go over, but I live in hope of much more content. Much platonic smooches, Zeldreth. Well, that's a very nice email. 
Thank, Thank you, you Zoltra. So how do we feel about this? Uh, is this? I don't know if we've mentioned it on the podcast before, but Monica also used to be big into cosplay. Uh-huh. And uh, I got pulled into it, too, for a couple of years there. So I, I, I like this idea of how the last step needs practical work. I mean, they do have very elaborate outfits, so that and, only makes sense. And they also have very elaborate spots where they pose for photo ops. Uh-huh. Because they're in costume, you see. Yeah, there you go. You got it. I do like the idea of Link just receiving a, a very intense makeover. Yeah, that works. That would be the like the really humorous, like, you know, what is actually happening? Oh, it's a full, like, full-on measuring, cutting, you know, cloth, you know. It's like, wah! <laughs> and then it cut hard cuts to Link sitting in their office. With a drink- tape measure. Drinking tea while they're, like, measuring out all of his stuff. It's like, all right, we're going to make this work for real now. (laughs) 2017 was really kind of the peak horny on main era. For a lot of games. Yeah. But but also specifically the way people interpreted games on main. (laughs) Yeah. Refresh my memory. Where the great fairies are a sex thing. Right. Uh. But they don't have to be. They don't. There is an implication of affection in the first three layers of their uh, enchantment. Even if it's expressed physically, the core of it isn't so much sex, it's affection. Oh, certainly. The the great fairies definitely think Link is cute and want to dress him up. Yeah, which is a theme in this game. And, like, Link's a bit embarrassed by it, but... He keeps coming back. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... We know what Link wants, and it's to have his armor enchanted by big ladies. Uh Uh-huh. That's it. Anything else that happens as a course of that. I think that people who frame the great fairies as essentially sexually assaulting Link are probably taking that a step too far. Monica's moving her mouth without talking. She's getting ready. I was just trying to find the words, but something about, you know, women advancing their feelings being inappropriate. That's... You know, that that mind frame is from that perspective in some respects. Maybe. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I would also maybe connect it to, remember in Dragon Age 2, when people didn't like that Anders would come on to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like, uh, yeah, the male player base of Dragon Age 2 had a lot of problems with that game and that particular element of it. Anders just liked talk. A lot. They all did. They all did. But, yes. Anders always. How do we feel about the idea of Twin Rova being, like, a role fulfilled by witches? I I am definitely into concepts of characters being uh, characters, roles that can be fulfilled by many actors. I'm also a big fan of this. Are their names really not mentioned in the oracles? Maybe not in the text of the game. That might just be sourced to uh, to like a guide or something. Give me just a moment and I'll pull up a text dump. Remember that you must pull up two text dumps because there's difference differences right. between the two. But that's definitely common in a lot of older games is the names would be sourced from manuals or guides rather than in-game. Yeah, really. Well, they wouldn't have had these two in manuals, at least. Right. But really, Navi was a big... Uh, development in at least the Zelda games. She named everything. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Navi was the first codex. 
Neither Kotake nor Koome ever appears. Twinrova is simply two witches. Oh, cool. their, their designs are, are clearly calling back to Kotake and Koome, and usually Zelda reuses names. Absolutely. But this still creates the possibility that those are actually two separate individuals, which is important because I've been operating off the assumption the entire time that they were the same persons who were in Ocarina of Time. Yeah, they wouldn't have to be. I mean, certainly they're in Majora's Mask and those aren't the same people. I think the reason that assumption is often made is because in Ocarina, they're already portrayed to be super duper old and basically immortal through magics. It is their presence that really Fs up the timeline. It is. Oh, this... I'm really glad that Zeldreth sent this in because this, this this opens up possibilities that shape a little bit of how I look at the Oracle games and how those games necessarily have to be placed. I don't think it'll change too much, but there's some details in there. Ooh, what if we could see a new Twin Rova in the new Breath of the Wild? It feels That'd like... Be great. Yeah. If Ganondorf is coming back, I just want to see... You know what my ideal version of this would be? If Twin Rova in the sequel is just a pair of... Gerudo wise women who are some of the important NPCs on Link and Zelda's journey to stop Ganondorf. And good or bad or good. They're, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wise women. I thought you were going to say you wanted Ganon to like talk with people. Uh, that would be good too. There's a lot that they can do, but it would be cool to have Twin Rova back and for them to be like real characters. Oh, oh there's possibilities. I get, I get so hyped up about possibilities. What if Link could do a fusion dance with the Zelda and be a twin Rova? Yes. <laughs> Linda. <laughs> That's pretty good. I mean, it's right there. That would be but their we're... fusion name, right? Yeah, Linda. It's Z- Zinc. It, yeah, it's Zinc. Zinc. If they were in Steven Universe, they'd absolutely be Zinc. So uh, by Steven Universe rules, they're Zinc. But by Dragon Ball rules, they're Linda. Well, they're Zinc if they fuse using the Patara earrings. Oh, God. But if they do the fusion dance, then they're Linda. God damn it. You walked into this one. I am going to hell for bringing this on. What about uh, Medora and Majora? I think that I still like the idea that they're two separate individuals, but the possibility space certainly exists for them to be the same. Zeldreth, if you're still listening because you sent this like nine months ago. But if you're still listening, I'd love to hear that timeline. Send us your fanfic. Send us your fanfic. Hell, we'll signal boost the shit out of it. We will retweet all fanfics. We'll retweet whatever. Well, not whatever. We're going to vet shit. We'll, we'll look over it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll vet stuff, but we'll we'll signal boost the good shit for sure. We'll definitely look at it and read it. Yeah, that, that we can promise. We'll look at everything. <laughs> uh... Medora and Majora sound almost the same, though. They do sound similar. There are a bunch of similar names in Zelda. It's kind of weird how Kotake and Koome have, like, much more Japanese-sounding names than the other Gerudo. Yeah, huh. Maybe it's just because they're old. Yeah. When the Gerudo language was different. 400 years is a long time. They were a lot more Japanese. The Book of Medora isn't a book of spells, is it? It's it's, a, isn't it more like a language in history? Yeah, it's a translation book. Yeah. Which is interesting. Is it my turn? Yeah. 
Okay, could Breath of the Wild be a product of the Aeneroverse? I was just listening to the Link's Awakening episode and was wondering, if dreams can be shared between different Nintendo worlds, could they also be shared across timelines? Could the presence of evidence of all three timelines in Breath of the Wild be product of a single timeline whose inhabitants dream of the others, and after enough time, could the stories of those dreams become mixed with actual history to the point where there is no differentiation between the two, the point where it all becomes legend? Love, Sean. Hmm. I think I floated the idea very early in the Book of Medora that the Aeneroverse did justify certain things like the appearance of the um, Wind Waker mural in Twilight Princess HD. Yep. Was that, that definitely a- was a thing. Yeah. So I, this this makes sense to me as like as a concept. I think the the Oniraverse is uh, sort of a, a beta test of what would become the Accursed timeline. Yeah, yeah. We, we've kind of moved away from trying to explain things through dreams. That's true. That is still a thing, though. I well, it's still a thing. Maybe it's not as much of a thing. So you would say that most likely the shared timeline knowledge in Breath of the Wild is not because of dreams. I would I would say it's can be explained in other ways. Ah. I, I, I think that's why we moved away from the Oniraverse is that while it does work, there are other ways to explain it. And there's something really visceral and satisfying about the idea of just mushing the timelines together. That is satisfying. Now it's all one timeline. Fuck it. Every once in a while I think about this and I'm like, you know the people who treat Zelda as an anthology series? Uh-huh. With no strict timeline? Anthology. Oh, like the same game over and over again? It's sort of. Like returning, like it's more a series of repeating themes than anything else. And uh-huh. It's like, they're kind of super right. Yeah, they are. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Like if you had to put a gum to my head, that's the one that I'd go with. But that's not as fun. That's just something that I think about every once in a while. If we ever do that other thing, that other project, we're going to have to start off with that, I think. Yeah, I, I don't I don't believe that any Zelda game, even the direct sequels, was written with any concern of what happened in the previous games. No. No. Like Majora's Mask, like, there's some callbacks to Ocarina of Time in it, but they're all character models. And they, they definitely... The sequels were definitely not thought of when they wrote the original game. Oh, God, no. Can you imagine? No. <laughs> the actual plot of the game wasn't even conceived when they were developing the game, for the most part. Crystal, do you ever get the impression in the Zelda fandom that some fans think, or some players think, that there is just this big document of potential Zelda stories that are linked up in specific ways that they draw from over time each time they make a new game? Uh... <laughs> I, I, I think there there probably are documents of, like, concepts they maybe didn't get to implement in this one, but they would like to do in a later game. Like the robot hand. Yeah. I don't think they have written out a plan for where the series is going. Do you ever get the impression that some people think the whole series is planned out? Yes. I, yeah, I've gotten that impression, too. It isn't. <laughs> It's going to be fun when Breath of the Wild 2 isn't a sequel. Oh, man. <laughs> I thought you were going to say when it comes out in 2020. <laughs> no. I think I think Crystal's a lot closer to being right than you are now. 
Crystal, did you cause the coronavirus to throw off our bet? Oh, God. I'm cutting no. that part out. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Not this time, says Crystal. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. <laughs> That's so fucking dark. Um, I want to Thank you, of- Sean. Thank you, Sean. <laughs> That's a hoot and a holler. Uh, Nate writes in with hot takes plus a question. Oh, I love these. Impa lives forever. Link is a god like Demise and Hylia, but took a mortal form. So together they form the Triforce? That is a question. I do not think Impa lives forever because we definitely see her die in Skyward Sword. However, she can live a very long time. It is theoretically possible, depending on how long the gap between the past and present in Skyward Sword is, because it could be a very long time. It could be a silly long time that the Impa in Breath of the Wild could actually have appeared in an earlier game, except, no, that's not very likely. She's like 120. We know how she could age in this game. Right. I thought you were going to suggest that the Impa of Skyward Sword could live as long as she needed to. Oh. Like, if she needed to hold out for 10,000 years, she could. Well, the other Sheikah monks kind of did, so... That's, that's true. true. Impa's that's gotta true. be able to. Maybe that's just a thing that is lost to the Sheikah as a people, as of Breath of the Wild, and that the older... Like, their culture was almost destroyed 10,000 years ago, and it's only the monks who carried that knowledge forward. So it's possible, I think, that in theory, Impa could live forever-ish if she had access to the right knowledge base. Impa from Ocarina of Time, if, okay, Impa from Ocarina of Time in the child timeline could have lived on to appear in other games if she had that knowledge. Maybe. Here's what I'm going to arrive at. The Sheikah age slower than humans, but much like humans, by 120, they're pretty old, but their deaths are voluntary. Oh. So they will just keep aging, but if you're 3,000 years old, and if you got something really important to be doing, you, you, you might want to call it quits. Like Impa from Skyward Sword, where she's like, I'm done. Yeah. It's not fun being 3,000. It's yeah. like, you realize I only pee once every three days? <laughs> I, I think that it's not even a necessarily a lost art by Breath of the Wild. Like the the Sheikah in the village refer to uh, the, the monks as sort of sleeping, right? Oh. I seem to remember there was a line about that. You should do another playthrough of Breath of the Wild to check in on these things and be sure. Yes. But like, you know, there's just not much need for most of them to, to prolong their lives that long. That. All right, I, I guess that makes a certain amount of sense. I think that Impa would probably try to age less in the 100 years. Though Robbie seems to have done pretty good for himself on that point. And Pura... Why would Pura need to reverse aging then? Oh, that's a good point. Because she doesn't want to be a mummy. Okay. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah, she, doesn't, want to, she doesn't want to be a 10,000-year-old mummy. <laughs> you know what? It, okay, if we take this, then... At, at the very least, Skyward Sword Impa was particularly skilled at preserving herself because she's not nearly as mummified as the monks in Breath of the Wild. Well, she only did about like 3,000 years. Yeah, that's our that's our estimate somewhere in there. But even so, she looks quite good. She looks younger than Impa in Breath of the Wild. Does she? 
I mean, not super younger, but she's got like, they both still have all their hair. And anyway, the point is she's doing good for 3000. Yeah, she's doing good for 3000. She, it doesn't seem like she can really move much. She, she still gets up and walks around. Yeah. And she still like whoops her magic out to get Zelda away from Girahim. Yeah, I guess she, I guess she's doing all right for three thousand. <laughs> yeah. I guess this is the point to say, like, in a lot of fan art where they draw Impa, Robbie, and Pura younger, they they usually have Robbie be like one of the oldest, not the oldest of the trio. No, no, he's no. He's gotta be the youngest. He's easily the youngest. Yeah, I don't know. I like the fan art that draws them all younger, and Impa just looks like a super serious version of Paya. Yeah. Yeah, that's good shit. To the second part of this email, uh, Crystal, tell me if you get this uh, impression, and I think this is just based on the last episode that I'm getting this. The idea that Link is the represent, like a god incarnate who is the third part of the Triforce, so to speak, uh, it kind of feels very Elder Scrolls. Um, I, I would say the actual case, which is that Link is more of a culture hero, is more Elder Scrollsy. Ah, because L- Link is not. Link is recognized as, like, a figure that returns, but he's not exactly worshipped or given any divine status by anybody in Hyrule. Outside of Wind Waker. Even then, he's revered, but he's not a god. Fair enough. Is there really a big difference between a god versus a time-traveling hero who shows up to kill the devil and you just assume that he can show up whenever? Yeah, bit. that's called a hero. <laughs> All right, I get. I guess that's fair. I guess I got nothing. Monica, you were saying? Oh no, I, I think I, you you mirrored my uh, thoughts exactly. Fair enough. Right the the spirit of the hero is an oversoul that anyone who walks the path of the hero can oh. contribute to. Oh my god! Well, I like it better than the reincarnation idea. Yeah, he doesn't reincarnate per se, but he does he does appear again and again. Right. I'm glad that the three of us have at least somewhat different readings on the nature of the hero. It allows for some friction. You gotta have some friction. Monica. What? Being wrong all the time. It's the foundation of a good relationship. Friction? Yes. Yeah. Like some friction. Uh, absolutely. Like not like Single link, multi-link. Oh, no, that's horrible. No. That's too much. Not not that much friction. Our next email comes in from Camille. Cameron, Crystal, and Monica. Is it just me, or is Skyward Sword Zelda and Skyward Sword Link just like Chi-Chi and Goku and Dragon Ball? I wasn't ready for this when I started this email. Um, In Dragon Ball, not Dragon Ball Z. Yes, just in Dragon Ball. Where they love each other. Right. I I never really watched or read... Dragon Ball. Well, even in Dragon Ball, oh god, Chi Chi does just does kind of browbeat Goku into marriage. That does happen. Goku's not as into her as she is into him. I assumed that the difference here is that Chi Chi knows how to make babies and uh, Goku doesn't. Like right. he's, he's re- it's not that he's not like the whole thing where Dragon. I'm going to drop a hot take that will only be hot to a certain part of our readership. Dragon Ball Super is so silly that I can't watch it. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Like, the idea that Goku canonically doesn't know where Gohan and Goten came from is a step too far for me. Wait, what? 
He's he's canonically never kissed his wife. He's canonically never kissed Chi Chi as of Dragon Ball Super. Wait, what? Yeah, that's a thing. Which <laughs> implies that he has no idea how Gohan and Goten got here. Like, he doesn't know how sex works. And it's like, no, 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 no. Don't do this. You, you can do all kind of things you want. And I know anime fans don't like to hear it, but Goku fucks. But he doesn't, though. He super does. He's never shown any interest in that. Yeah, because it's not that kind of manga. But he shows up. It for, is, though. He shows up for 25 minutes before dying during the Cell Games. And Chi-Chi manages to get pregnant in that time. Goku fucks. You're telling me Dragon Ball is not a horny manga? Okay, Dragon Ball's really horny. But people don't fuck in it. But Goku fucks. <sighs> he doesn't. He super does. Dragon Ball Super is nonsense. It's ridiculous. Never mind the fact that the whole concept behind it, the structure of the entire series up to this point, is just fan-wank nonsense, top to bottom. You don't like that they, they keep spiraling upwards? No, no, I don't really like that part. I don't like that they brought back Frieza. Like, I understand revisiting Frieza thematically, but I don't like that he's become, like, this recurring character who's super important. I don't like that it's, like, I don't like the whole tournament of power. That's ridiculous. It, there was nothing going on in that series, and I've never felt so far removed from Dragon Ball fandom as I did while everyone was getting hype about that silly bullshit. I agree that... I don't like Super as much as most people, but I do think it's funny that Goku's never kissed his wife. Ah. But do we know that, just like in Star Wars, is there actually, you know, sex? Okay. This is, uh, something, hmm. this is something me and Monica were discussing the other day. Uh, or No, this was only like 12 hours ago. Yep. Uh, Crystal, <laughs> is there sex in Star Wars? Uh, in Legends, there is, according to Wikipedia, let me check the canon entry. Yeah, we got to look under the canon here. Uh, it, it doesn't seem like canon has any sex, but Legends definitely does. Because we've seen a virgin birth. Right. And we've seen a really confused Anakin who has no idea how Padme got pregnant. Maybe Anakin <laughs> is Goku. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's implications. Maybe people in Star Wars get pregnant from long shadows hanging over them. I Anyway, so what, what's your take on this, Crystal? Um, no no I, Wikipedia. I, I, you got to speak from your heart. If, if there's sex in Star Wars? Yeah. Yeah, sure. All right. Why not? Because I know that there used to be. Prince Caesar was a thing. A weird, weird thing. But regarding Zelda and Link being like Chi-Chi and Goku, I, I don't think their personalities really line up. No, I, I don't think that you could frame their whole relationship as Zelda browbeating Goku into a relationship that he's only just kind of going along with. And by Goku, I mean Link. <laughs> no, Link too concretely likes Zelda. Oh, he is so devoted to her. Like, it's in the text. I... That that question broke my brain for a little while, though. I really appreciate that. It's helping me stretch out in ways I haven't stretched in months. Thank you, Camille. Thank you, Camille. Monica, I think this next one is you. Okay. Hi, I've had this idea for a while now. What do you think about shipping Mifa and Daruk? They've each got such different personalities. Mifa is shy and cute, and Daruk is tough and manly. Also, what are your top 10 Zelda Breath of the Wild ships? 10 Breath of the Wild ships, wow. My favorite is Link and Mifa. Also, maybe Revalia and Cass? That'd be awesome. 
If only they were living the same amount of time. Please put this on the podcast. Thanks. Well, Camille, you got your wish. (laughs) This was a while later, but yes, it came true. Now, Crystal, as the certified non-shipper of the crew, what do you think about any of this? Uh, Daruk and Mifa, it's it's hard for me to see that. Daruk doesn't really seem... Doesn't really seem like he's looking for a relationship. He gives off such strong dad energy. Yeah. I like Urbosa and Daruk, aside from the whole, you know, Urbosa is mourning Zelda's mom thing. They're drinking buddies. Yeah, but it's sort of like the mom and dad of the group thing, you know? Uh, it's sure, but it's like platonic mom and dad. I guess so. I don't, I don't think I'd really ship any of the champions together. No, not n- nor I. I think that... Daruk and Mifa are exact opposites, but not in the way that makes for good shipping, I don't think. Like, I've seen people ship Mifa and Rivali, and that almost makes sense to me. There's a very high amount of Mifa and Rivali shippers. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're the... I don't know what the reasoning is there, but, you know, there's a certain interplay in their personalities that sort of makes sense. Rivali and Sidon make a lot more sense to me because they're both very extra. Yeah. Yeah. They'd have a very interesting apartment. That'd be very fun because um, Sidon's like the nice kind of energetic and uh, Rivali would get increasingly huffier, but Sidon wouldn't really necessarily pick up on that. They'd have a really interesting YouTube show that's mostly about Rivali and all the comments are just asking about who that hot man moving around in the background is sometimes. (laughs) This is, I'm not really sure how to answer this. I don't think that I have 10 Breath of the Wild ships in me. Yeah, I I don't have 10. I like... uh... Lincoln Sidon, I like uh, Urbosa and the Queen. That's about it. What about the lady and her robots? I don't think that's really a ship. She's just a fetishist. Lady and her robots, yeah. What about lady and her flowers? That's not a relationship either, Monica. You know, some people just like things. Yeah, that's (laughs) not. Monica, don't do this. You're just doing this because you only have one ship across all Zelda games. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, no, I like... No, I don't. Okay. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) What were you about to say? Uh, I was going to say Andrew and Cafe, and I'm like, no, I don't. I I like Andrew and Kremia better. Really? (laughs) Yeah. We had this on our our Rank the Ships thing. God, what a fucking nightmare that episode was. That particular... I like like Cass and his wife. They're great. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Uh, Teba and his wife is also pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think that part of that is that I just really like the design of Teba's wife. She's so cute. All the Rito are great. They're so good. I still like Lincoln Mifa as a tragic ship that ends in heartbreak. That's so strong. I love heartbreak ships sometimes. God damn. All that fan art where it's like sad ghost Mifa holding on to Link as he's like being bummed and shit. It's good. That's my favorite. I eat that shit like candy with a spoon. I don't know what kind of candy you eat with a spoon. It's like Nutella, just eating it right out of the jar. I would say I tend to gravitate towards uh, established relationships, such as Cass and his wife. It's like, we've been together for like 30 years and we have five kids. Yeah, I feel that. I think that Link and Mifa works best for me where it's like they actually do have an established relationship that's there and the ambiguity of Link's amnesia. That's where it really is for me. And, uh, I mean, Lincoln Zelda is also good in a young love kind of way. That's fine. I think that the best moment for that ship is when Zelda asks Link if he really remembers her because there's that gap where we don't really see what he says in answer to that. And there's a lot you can do with that. A lot of people hate that line. 
Why? Why? They they want the answer, I uh, guess. No. <laughs> Even though that would be terrible. <laughs> Ambiguity is important. Uh-huh. My favorite Zelda ship. Uh, oh, God. That's right. I do remember because we, we brought this up in the Breath of the Wild episode uh, at the very beginning, back before we got into the whole Urbosa and the Queen thing, because that wasn't textual when we first started this show, right? I think so. Yeah. So it was back in the old days, our, our answers have evolved some. My men have evolved less, but I remember back in the day, yours was Lincoln Sidon and Urbosa and yourself, mm-hmm. which are very strong choices. I think back then, uh, Urbosa and Zelda was quite a popular ship, although I think that's that's a bit inappropriate. Yeah, it's changed quite a lot. I think that people tend to see them as more of a mother-daughter relationship nowadays, which has been better, much better, actually. Yeah, Urbosa, Urbosa is Zelda's mom's ex. And she's effectively just Zelda's mom now. I feel like we have a theory before the DLC came out. The DLC just like solidified our theories. In a very pleasant way. That's very possible. There was a lot going on in that game, but it's so hard to look back on our own perspectives there. Even Zelda and Link, the age trips me up a bit, because in most of those flashbacks, she is 16, and Link is like an established captain of the guard. Yeah, but he's been like a member of the Royal Guard since he was like six weeks old, so I don't know how. I definitely read Link as being like 25. What? That (laughs) baby-faced motherfucker? I think Crystal has brought this up before. Crystal, I do remember you saying this. That's right. You did. And, and we were both surprised. I don't know. He just, he seems like mo- the one of the most firmly an adult of all the links. He came back from Sword University. Right. Like he has, he has a career. He has a, he has a professional reputation. He has a degree. I just see that as sort of the anime thing where you have, the, you know, the teenagers who are CEOs and so on. I mean, in Wind right. Waker's backstory, they're worshipping a 17-year-old or revering a 17-year-old. That's true. That is a thing. And Link has been like, he was whooping adults' asses at four years old, literally. He was doing that. He is strong. Yeah. So I think that it's just like. We, we've covered this before. We covered this before. It's not worth us trying to mitigate, but it, I can understand why if you see Link as being half again as old as a 16-year-old, that, yeah, would, that, make would, you go, that would make you go, uh, I don't know about that one. That one, it's like, that should really be a one-sided thing where she's like, her pining for her older guardian, that's fine. But when she brings it up to Link, he needs to go, oh, God. Stay away, baby. Yeah, if you see it that way, I can see why that wouldn't really be on your radar. So, Link and Sidon. Sidon's an adult. How That's old true. is Sidon? He's at least 100. All right. <laughs> that makes How sense. How old is Mipha? Um, you know, it's not clear. There's only two possibilities with regards to Mipha. Either she's, like, in the midst of her growth spurt, and she's going to end up large-ish, or else she's an adult, and that's just how sh- how big she was ever going to be because she's girl. Is Mifa a lot shorter than the other Zora? Yeah, hmm. she's shorter than Zelda is. Oh wow! Like the the implication there is that you you meet that one character who like they talk about there's a growth spurt that Zora go through, and it always seemed to me that Mifa was on that like she's on the cusp of adulthood, 
in the same way that Link and Zelda are. She writes about it, doesn't she? About her own. She writes about how Link is growing up faster than she is. Like, she, he grew bigger than she did. Right. But she doesn't really like... I sort of read that in the lens of Zora go through the growth thing slower. So you're thinking that she's in the process of becoming a, an adult. Right. She's a bit older than Link. I got the impression that she would have been like, just based on how old some of these characters seem to be, like she could be anywhere from 20 to 40. Yeah, she's like 40. Yeah, I would say about 40-ish. 40 in terms of Azora, but in terms of a a Hylian? (laughs) That that conceit doesn't make any sense to me. It's hard. It's it's like, if you live 40 years, you live 40 years. Like, how can you have... The mind of a human teenager. You talk very slowly. Oh, um, I mean, at that point, you have to talk about how a lot of our perspectives are based on not just our experiences, but also our chemical makeup. This is all going back to like Asari and how they go wild for their first hundred years. Oh, my God. (laughs) Crystal, I mentioned in the Slack that I read uh, Octavia (laughs) Butler's uh, Lilith's Brood, right? Yeah. The Mass Effect fucking stole the Oknali, and turned them into hot blue chicks, and that's the Asari. Aw, man. Mass Effect does keep doing that. They keep doing it. And in fairness, the Oknali are a very cool, deeply terrifying idea. Ugh. Mass Effect. Should we do Mass Effect episodes? I don't know. Yeah, we can talk about Mass Effect's bad. We do like Mass Effect. They're doing that over at the Journal Updated podcast on uh, Abnormal Mapping. How's that going? It's a good podcast. That's cool. It's about games of the journal updated genre, such as Mass Effect and The Outer Wilds. Oh, that's a good that's a good genre description. Actually, that would make Breath of the Wild a journal updated genre game too, wouldn't it? Uh, I wouldn't say so. You don't really have a lot of choices. You still have a journal. I, I think intrinsic to the show is this like this is a branching story where your choices matter type of game. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, I really look forward to hearing their Ogre Battle 64 episode. I might be the only one who gets that. But somewhere out there, one of our listeners right now is going, holy fucking shit, Ogre Battle. I don't know nothing about Ogre Battle. Crystal, let us explain to you about Ogre Battle. No, let's not do that one. <laughs> I mean, I'll send you my copy of Ogre Battle. That's a thing I can do if you still have an N64. I do not have an N64. Oh, that's all there she wrote then. But, uh, yeah, we're not going to get into that right now. But Ogre Battle 64, when I was a kid, there's a point in it where you make a decision. And the decision that you make sends you on a 13 or 15 length split branch in the game that determines the shape of the entire end game. And I took the wrong one because I was a kid and my reasoning wasn't fully developed with regards to these things. The choice was to go after a military target or try to move to protect the citizenry. And I thought to myself, well, if I take out the military target first and everything after will be easier, so I'll go after that first. And Crystal, things went to shit. I cannot begin to talk about how foreboding the rest of that game became. But in the end, that game had three separate endings that you could get. And I got not quite the very worst one, but in the end, my character ended up exiled from the kingdom that he had helped to liberate from the Lotus Empire. And after he was exiled, because there was no one to keep the military in order, when there was an invasion from another kingdom, 
Palatinus was completely wiped off the map and its people lost to history because I did the thing that I did. And every Bioware and Witcher game after that has been chasing and failing to catch that particular feeling. Damn, that sounds really intense. It was... I was 11 and 12 while I was playing this game. It fucked me up, but it was really good. And you understand the importance of protecting the citizenry. (laughs) I super do nowadays. Am I reading correctly that the first game is the fifth entry in the saga? The second game is the uh, seventh and the third game is the sixth? Uh, Yeah, yeah. That's stupid. (laughs) why, Why would that be stupid? That's some Shenmue. Shenmue 3 is parts four and seven of the Shenmue saga shit. That I thought that would be something that's completely up your alley. No, because then I'm never going to see the rest of the saga. Yeah, I know. It's going to be like the Iliad. Well, it's actually... Oh, God. I hate to say this. It's almost more of an anthology series. You can experience any of these stories in a vacuum, and they feel whole and complete. It's clear that there's more going on outside of it, but you never feel cheated from the rest of the story. Now, obviously, I want more of it. I played The Knights of Lotus, which I don't think is even given a proper number because I'm not sure if Matsuno wrote it or not. But it's all quite good. Uh, I guess we could talk about it another time. But yeah, yeah, it it was episode five, seven, and then six. I I started off with episode six, and it was really good. I hope Yu Suzuki can finish Shenmue. I hope so, too. People should be allowed to finish the things that they start, like... If Matsuno was just wrote some Ochre Battle books, it wouldn't have the same impact. But it would be really great if Square could throw some of those hundreds of millions of dollars that they put into remaking one-fifth of Final Fantasy VII. And just take like five or six and let him make an old-style game that's really cool. You wouldn't have to be lucratively rich, but you'd be like in your first few millions and you would fund Matsuno. i go, listen, motherfucker, let's do it. We can't call it Ochre Battle. We'll call it something else. Didn't didn't Matsuno have a Kickstarter thing? Uh, Matsuno's name was attached to a Kickstarter in that he wrote the broad scenario for, I think, I can't remember the name of it, but I did fund it because I misunderstood his role in it at the time. Unsung Story? Unsung Story. Yes. Thank you. Yes, I did. I, I did fund that one. Um, it never really went anywhere that I ended up being interested in, and it wasn't as story focused as I wanted it to be. And Matsuno, of course, did not write the script for it or anything. It was a very Western writing team. He just wrote a treatment for the setting, which is, you know, on its own, great. But it's not what, not really what I wanted out of it. It's not Ogre Battle, and it was billed as the successor to Tactics Ogre. Um, as of 2019, it was set to be scheduled for Q4 2020. So. Good luck to them. Good luck to them. Anyway, thank you, uh, 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 Camille. Thanks, Camille. Thank you. We definitely put it on the podcast. Anonymous writes in, who would win in a fight, Kirby or Link? P.S. I am a very big fan of your work. Thank you, Anonymous. Thank you, Anonymous. That's very kind. Now, we could run a computer simulation of Kirby v. Link in Smash Brothers 100 million times, but I think it'd probably be Kirby. I think that Monica, let's hear you weigh in. Um, hmm. They're both just so good, and I guess maybe there's a mistake. Like maybe maybe Kirby thinks that Link ate 
the last slice of cake. Or maybe Link did eat the last slice of cake, depending on the Link. If so, Link is fucked. <laughs> ah, but your first reaction is, why would they fight? Right, but, but cake is a good reason. Sure. I can't think of any other, re- like, why would Link attack Kirby? That's just not the, that's not just Link taking the last piece of cake, though. Link would have to take it out of Kirby's hands and then eat it. And our, our boy doesn't really do that sort of thing. Now, Kirby did uh, steal the Triforce. Well, I mean, somebody in the past stole it, but Kirby himself just found it in a rock. It's worth about 3,000 yen. <laughs> yeah. Or however much. It's like 300 US, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a supercomputer, but it's a supercomputer from the 80s. Your calculator's more powerful. Yeah. I, I think a, a modest amount of rupees, or if Link could make some sort of food for Kirby, Kirby would hand that over. I think that as, like, people love to talk. You know, there's a whole subculture about arguing who would beat up who, yeah? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's great. It's great for what it, oh, right, you started reading the power tier thing. Yeah, the power tier wiki, <laughs> where they tier every character and every work of fiction. Yeah, the what is that, the versus wiki? Something like that. Power battles? Something like that. And, uh, yeah, they've got, like, nine separate tiers that are separated into anywhere from three to, like, 30 sub-tiers. So, where is Link on it and where is Kirby on it? Listen, this? this is not the point. The point is that all of those, like... That wiki isn't an authority with regards to these things. It's just a symptom of a deeper cultural disease. Right, but I'm curious as to their their positioning. I uh, well, Kirby is objectively more powerful than Link. Go on. Whether or not he would use the full extent of his power, you can debate that. But I think if it was a no no holds barred fight, I don't think how you, I don't see how you could even argue for Link. All right. I'll put it this way, and this is the fundamental disc. Because I used, I actually met Monica because of these arguments. If you trace far back enough, not because of shipping arguments. I showed up at the particular interplay internet place where we met because I was chasing versus arguments. But um, what was the big argument? I'm not doing this. Oh, <laughs> the particular one that I first joined in on. God, it might have been Mario versus Ganon. Or something. Maybe Link versus Bowser. Link versus Mario. I feel like I wrote a treatment for Zelda versus Peach and then they played tennis or something. Yeah. <laughs> I was. I didn't want an actual fight. No, who would? It doesn't make any sense. But regardless, um, my fundamental disconnect with that culture is that it's so focused on what's happened before as if the consistency of, oh, okay, um, Yay! Okay. Crystal, why don't you tell us what you pulled up here? Uh, Kirby is at tier 4A. Let me pull up what that means. Tier 4A is a, a stellar class. Uh, 4A is characters who can create slash destroy multiple solar systems. And uh, each incarnation of Link has a different page. I'm just going with Breath of the Wild since I think we all agree that's like the most powerful one. And he is a, a high 6A, or some say at least 5A. And a, what does that mean? 6A means continent level characters who can destroy a continent or those who can easily harm characters with continent level durability. 
And 5A is dwarf star level. Characters who can create, destroy very small stars. Link can't do that. He's not 5A. The He's reason that they're five. saying this is because he killed Ganon. Who- Ganon's not a dwarf star. Listen, and also, like, the Triforce. But th- th- this well, he is- doesn't have the Triforce. This is exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> this is exactly what I'm talking about. There's a word for this in uh, Versus Battles where they talk about how strong characters are based on things that they've done in the past. These are known as uh, feats of ability or feats. Mm-hmm. But that kind of ignores, like, the story context that informs everything that characters do. Like, Link is not in the same like realm of power as Ganon. That's the whole point of the story. He's not as strong as Ganon is. If you put Link and Ganon up against the same enemy, if it's something that could kick Link's ass, Ganon would still probably tear it to shreds without even thinking about it. Indeed, the whole point of courage is that you go to face things that are more powerful than you. Yes, and more. If Link is on a quest to defeat something... It doesn't matter how powerful it is. The entire universe will conspire to imbue him with the strength and the tools that he needs to bring it low. The motherfucker could be fighting the Triforce gods themselves. And if that's the plot of the story, he's going to bring them down. He's endlessly just. If he is justified in whatever his actions are, he will win. Full stop. So when you ask this question, who would win in a fight between Link and Kirby? The real question is, whose story is it? And I know that that's kind of obviating the argument that people like to have. But if we're just basing it on feats, then feats don't mean a whole hell of a lot to these characters because they're so wildly inconsistent. There are some in which Kirby can be run over by a little blobby person carrying a broom. But also, there's a minigame in Kirby Star Allies where he hits a meteor that travels at like something like 15 million times the speed of light and smashes through seven planets and knocks an alien spaceship out of orbit. Anyway, Kirby's fucking crazy depending on how you look at it. But also, Kirby operates on the rules of comedy and the rules of cool. He's almost a slapstick character. So it's like, why would you even bother with this? That's The question's interesting, but it's only interesting in the answers that it suggests, which is, what would that story be like? Don't give me a versus battle, give me a fanfic. That's what I'm saying. I also think of it in terms of the Force in Star Wars, where sometimes the Force is portrayed as being so strong you can pull a Star Destroyer out of the sky, and sometimes being good at the Force is... You're at the right place at the right time to be the feather that breaks the camel's back. Yeah. It's funny how inconsistent riding around the force is. That's a whole nother thing. It's, oh, it's it's May the 4th be with you. Yes. Oh, it is May the 4th, yeah. May the 4th be with you, Crystal. I'm, I'm okay for right now, honestly. Oh, Quattro de Mayo. Quattro de Mayo. My little brother keeps telling me to watch the new season of The Clone Wars. We should get around to that. Yes. Also, Taika Waititi is making a Star Wars film. That's pretty cool. cool. I like Taika Waititi. I guess after he... Is that his pattern now? He makes a passion project and then he makes a super mega blockbuster? He's making two in a row because Thor 4. That's true. I mean, who who would turn down Disney money? Yeah, I mean, God can take a check. I mean, I... 
I think Disney's one of the most evil companies in history, but I don't know if I would turn down however the hell much they're paying him. He uses every occasion to, like, elevate, like, indigenous creators, too. He, he does use it as a platform, and that is important. I'm not judging Taika Waititi for this shit, to be clear. I still haven't seen Jojo Rabbit. I heard it wasn't too hot. Oh, my brother liked it, though. He's, like, one of the only people I trust for this shit. I'll have to watch it. It's kind of a fraught concept, isn't it? Yeah. But I I, I would extend the line of credit to him. I like that on this uh, wiki... Um, Link from Breath of the Wild has durability listed at either multi-continent level or at least large planet level. This whole tiering system needs a restructure. Because he took hits from a weakened Calamity Ganon. Okay. And Calamity Ganon can draw the moon closer and then put it back. Wait. Is that here? Yeah. It's in Literally? Huh? Yeah, the blood moon. It gets closer. the blood moon... Literally, the moon getting closer. Yeah, or, I, I didn't realize anyone would read it that way. Crystal, what do you think the blood moon is? The is it the? I I never even considered that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, what is a blood moon in real life? Uh, I think the problem is that even if the blo- if the blood moon is an instance of the moon drawing closer. In the game lore, it's probably not the case that Ganon is drawing it closer. It's more like he's drawing power from it. For some reason, Ganon is a lunar entity, or the Calamity is a lunar entity in Breath of the Wild, drawing strength from the moon. But the way that it's being read on this wiki is that Ganon is literally pulling the moon closer, because it does look larger during the blood moon. I was just thinking that it was just magic bullshit. (laughs) Of course it's just magic bullshit! (laughs) Right. Rule the cool perception of the moon. The problem is that they're applying hard sci-fi logic to stories that don't care about that. Uh, Even a little. Okay, Link's range is extended melee range with melee weapons up to thousands of kilometers with ranged weapons. Okay. I feel like someone literally measured that. Lifting strength, class 100. Comparable to other links. Class 100, I'm just going to take a guess because this echoes Marvel Comics arguments like this, means that they estimate he can lift over a hundred metric tons over his head. I can believe that. I mean, he's super strong. And he could just like slap a Lionel and make it stop charging at him, but still. There's like a science episode where they had Link like lift a block of ice and then, you know, water has a distinct weight for its volume. Uh Uh-huh. It was heavy. Yeah, I bet it would be. Or Class T. What the hell is Class T? I'm sorry, I brought us into this. I gotta look this up. Hold on. Class T is 10 to the 15th kilograms? Fuck you! (laughs) Okay, let's get off this. Thank you, Anonymous. Thank you, Anonymous. This is a fun hole to fall down. If just to see that people are going wild. And if any of our listeners are editors on this wiki i'm not going to apologize y'all know what this is come on if you're an editor of that wiki i i think it could use a little cleanup i think that it honestly it needs a top to bottom reconsideration of all of these classifications and to be less feet focused because can you get more basic than that shit in 2020 fuck next question i hold on how long have we been going all right about about, hmm? about an hour yeah about an hour how about we just get in one more Okay, one more. It's getting kind of late, and we got work tomorrow. Okay. Ish. We got work from home tomorrow. Monica does. 
I gotta roll out of bed. Sometimes. Sometimes. Is it my turn? Uh, I think I read the last one. Okay. So, I don't know. That would make it my turn. Hey, Cameron, Crystal, and Monica. I hope you're all doing well. I'm a longtime listener and serial tweeter at you all. I think in the second edition of the Breath of the Wild episodes, you all, Cameron specifically, discuss how Link is a broken hero. A hero who died and was brought back to the world shattered, only ever achieving a fraction of his former power. But I'm not sure if this is necessarily the case. My reading of Link in Breath of the Wild was always he becomes greater than he was in the 100 years before. After finishing all the trials of the Master Sword, the blade permanently glows and the Great Deku Tree says you have now achieved the full splendor of the Master Sword. I think this is a good indication that Link is stronger than before, because not in any of the memories does the sword glow. In order to justify the sword having its fullest capability and still running out of energy, it would be due to just how powerful Calamity Ganon is. Overall, Breath of the Wild feels like such a final-slash-ultimate game, the story that we, the character, play in is the third act of a greater story. The way previous incarnations of Link and Ganon are mentioned as cemented legends, and time has progressed so far. Even in the Calamity Ganon boss fight, it gives up on reincarnation to assume its truest, purest, ultimate form of hatred, being the Dark Beast Ganon. Though the Master Sword is the magical blade that can seal evil, even it has limits. So it is not Link being a shattered hero, but more so Link being the hero of a shattered world. Curious as to if you will agree or disagree, Book of Medora has become my favorite thing to re-listen to while I'm stuck indoors because of quarantine. Stay safe and wash your hands. Many thanks, Luke. We've caught up to quarantine emails. Yes, from April 20th. How timely. How timely. Blaze it. Blaze it. <laughs> I hope that you blazed it on that day, Lou. Also, I hope that I'm saying that correctly. Uh, how do we feel about the idea that Link surpassed who he was in the 100 years ago? He definitely doesn't cut through 100 Guardians at once. That's also true. That, that I recall, was the main basis for this argument, is that, like... We see the fields of dead guardians that Link single-handedly battled through. And that whole... Mountain of Lynels and... Mom. Right. Yeah. It's like, he was doing shit that, like, people can sort of do nowadays. And don't get me wrong, if you take game mechanics as being a part of the story, Link is capable of some wacky bullshit. But I think the conclusion that we came to is that in the old days, Link was basically in flurry rush all the time. So, And I, I like the idea, though, that Link is the hero of a broken world. So can the Master Sword and he ever recover? Well, I mean, what Luke is suggesting here is that the Master Sword is as strong as it was before. In fact, it never glowed in the... Did it, though? How often did he... No, it didn't when he had it out against the Yiga... But I don't know that that doesn't mean that it was less powerful at the time. Also, were were the Yiga even imbued with Ganon stuff at the time? Because Ganon was still asleep at the time. True. So the Master Sword might not be glowing because Ganon wasn't out yet. Oh, so you're suggesting that it only started barking for real when Ganon woke up. Yes. I just reached this point now. (laughs) Okay. And it wasn't glowing when Link goes sick house on all the Guardians in the aftermath because he's almost dead. Alright, what do you think, Crystal? It is the blade of evil's bane. Yes. And therefore is the most powerful in the presence of evil, I guess. 
I mean, that makes a certain kind of reflexive sense. But do you feel like Link is stronger? Like, as a whole, do you feel like Link is stronger in the game than he was in the past? Did he ever live up to the hero that he walks in the shadow of? I think it's fair to say, given what you see of him in the past and the evidence he has left behind, he is not as strong. Mm. I think that I would agree. Like, I, I really like the idea that Breath of the Wild is about three players who are completely exhausted and at their absolute limits, all coming together for one last mud fight. Just at their absolute limits, and they can't do anything but barely li- lift their arms to throw hands at each other. Relatively speaking. They're the boxing novices. Round five. Yeah. Now, how do you think that will affect Ganondorf, who has not moved a muscle in 10,000, 10,000 years? I think that motherfucker is going to come back and it's going to be real bad. You don't think you don't think the, he underwent some muscle atrophy? I think it's possible that he went uh, underwent muscle atrophy, but I also think that it's possible that your desire could come true. That but he breaks the Triforce? Not even, uh, okay, not necessarily. The Master Sword. <laughs> yeah, like Link goes for it and Ganon just catches it in his fucking hand and shatters it. Oh, I want it so bad. <laughs> wow. I mean, that that would be like the real tone setter, right? It would also be a good way for Link to actually lose his arm. Yes, good way to reset progress Metroid style. Yeah. And you don't even necessarily have to reset progress, really. You can say that Link... His 30 hearts then are only worth three hearts now. So it's time to get big and bad. I hope that they have some redesigned enemies in this new game. I'd I'd want them to be like, they don't have to be super scary or anything, but I'd want them to feel newly threatening. I think there will be. Yeah. I can't imagine Lionel's underground, so. I don't think the whole game is going to take place underground. Oh, we don't know anything about this game. Oh my God. I want to know more about it. Like, when it's coming out, COVID, did you stop Zelda? You motherfucker. God. Winter 2020. Winter 20. All right. Fingers crossed that you're right. I still believe. Always believe. Have we all been washing our hands? Yeah. Uh-huh. That was kind of a weird, yeah, Crystal. You sure you've been washing your hands? Yeah, I have. All right. Yeah. Keep it up. You sing the alphabet two times. Yeah, that's what I do, too. Get under the fingernails. Get between them fingers, under the fingernails. Make sure that you moisturize every once in a while because that shit will crack your hands. COVID, this whole quarantine thing sucks. But I'm glad that we're not all in a big rush to go out and die. I would prefer not to. At least once a day I open up the John Hopkins tracker and I don't know if it's good for me, but it's interesting watching the numbers go up. It's strange because it looks a lot like the pandemic game. Uh Uh-huh. Guess what kind of game ain't popular right now? I'm sure it's very popular right now. Oh, really? Just out of guess. People are weird. Anyway. Anyway. So did we reach a consensus on... on I think that the three of us think that Link never regained his full strength. That he is wounded in such a way that as powerful as he is and whatever he accomplishes, he's still not prepared in the same way that he was 100 years ago. Just like Zelda's not, because she has apparently lost the ceiling power. Which means that the real bad one coming back is an escalation the likes of which this series hasn't seen since Link pulled the Master Sword in Ocarina of Time. That's great. It's it's pretty cool. I like it. What if Breath of the Wild 2 was the adult Link part of Ocarina of Time? 
like Breath of the like Breath of the Wild ends, and then you get ha 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 ha. Uh huh. Yeah, and then Breath of the Wild two starts like it's just packaged as one game. Yes. I mean that'd be cool. You could play it that way. Be sure to wash your hands too, Luke. Hey, Crystal. Uh huh. Where can we find you online? At Arcane Crystal. Is that on Twitter or what? Yeah. And that's also your Patreon. Uh huh. You ain't even trying to keep up the fucking outro, girl. Yeah. Well, I'm tired too. All right, that's fair. You can find me at Twitter uh, at CamWriter. Uh, any questions you want to send into BookMedoraPodcast at Gmail dot com. We'll almost definitely get around to reading those because I mean, like, uh, it's quarantine. We need stuff to do, and podcasting, honestly, it's pretty fun. We don't have any Zelda jokes, but that's okay. Everybody gets off free tonight. Freedom. Freedom. The first jokeless episode. First joke. Oh, that's a dangerous precedent. Ah, uh, shit. Hold on. I'm trying to look up Elder Scrolls jokes, but they're all just uh, rebranded racist jokes. Really? Uh-huh. Oh, I don't... So, like, uh, how many Khajiit does it take to change light bulb? I I feel like this has to be a very complicated answer. No, it's it's one to do it and two to pick your pocket. <laughs> uh, how many links would it take to change a light bulb? Oh, hold on. Okay. Four. <laughs> uh, uh, Swords. <laughs> <laughs> they would smash the light bulb and the room. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. How about one? No, no, but... no, 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 no. Okay, go. You, you finish. No, no, you, you, you finish. One, but it might take a few different ones over time and millennia. I don't know. It's not very good. Okay. How many links does it take to change a light bulb? How many? How many? Four. One to change the light bulb, and three to disappear into a chasmless void when Zelda merges them all back together. Oh, I guess the one oh, that man. succeeds is the one that gets to live. It's the one that changes the light bulb, yeah. Yeah. That seems like a very inefficient way to change a light bulb. Well, I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do. The others should have grabbed more force gems, I guess. How many Ganons would it take to change a light bulb? I don't know how many. Just one, but he'll soliloquize about how he was mistreated. That's not a joke. No. I don't know. I mean, we got one joke. In, we got at least two or three jokes in here. This like is 0.5 joke. This is no longer the first jokeless episode. Mission accomplished. Good night, everybody. Good night. Bye.